Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. There are really rough times, like, for anything that's great, there are some low lows, but there are some high highs, you know? And I think one of the big things is like finding what balances you and grounds you. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of In the Envelope. It's Jack, your trusty host. Awards editor at Backstage, I am so thrilled to present to you all this week Nicole Bahari, this wonderful conversation with the wonderful Nicole Bahari. Listen, as is quite obvious, moments into this interview, I had a lot of fun interviewing Nicole. She is a recent Gotham Award winner uh, and Spirit Award nominee for her work in Miss Juneteenth, which is one of the most beautiful indie films I've seen recently. Uh, She plays the leading character of Turquoise Jones who is a former beauty queen in the Miss Juneteenth pageant in Texas. This is a real pageant uh, centered around the holiday of Juneteenth that awards scholarships to young Black women. Channing Godfrey Peoples, the writer-director of this film, she kind of based it on her personal experiences with the pageant. She she watched that pageant growing up. And so Nicole was cast in this leading role. It's a character study about a single mom who enters her daughter in that same pageant And Nicole's performance is hard to describe how, why it's good and how it's, how good it is. I mean, she just lives and breathes this character on the screen. And so that's why it was so cool to feature her on this podcast and to ask her specifically these backstage questions of how did you create this character? How do you generally approach characters? I really think this interview is a great example of like, I think it gets at the heart of the sometimes difficult to talk about aspects of being an actor. And that goes for both the craft process of creating your characters, but also the ebbs and flows of your career. Nicole might be best known as the lead in the network drama Sleepy Hollow, which, as we touched on, made her one of the only Black women in a network TV drama lead role. And um, a lot has changed since that show came out. So it was cool to ask her about the conversations that have happened in the mainstream since that show aired. And um, in keeping with that, stay tuned afterward for Christine McKenna Torello's wonderful segment this week. She is breaking down, she is kicking off Women's History Month for us. Happy Women's History Month this March with a kind of look at the state of the industry in terms of female directors like Channing Godfrey Peoples. The Golden Globes for this past weekend, Backstage covered it. You can find that recap on our site. I would say that, uh, I mean, there's lots to talk about with the Globes. I'm just going to mention one aspect that I've been thinking about with the Globes, which is that in their whole history, 78 years, only one woman had ever won the film directing prize before last night. Now it is two. 
It used to be just Barbara Streisand was the only female director winner, and now Chloe Zhao has joined her as the second. What that says about the state of gender parity in the industry in general, and in particular with feature film directing, I will let you draw your own conclusions. <laughs> but, you know, in the history of the Oscars, they've, only, they've also only honored one. The Golden Globes now has a track record that is now twice as good as the Oscars. <laughs> so anyway, it's fitting that we featured Nicole, who's very outspoken, and that we're featuring this film, Miss Juneteenth, which is by a debut female director. It's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful reason why female directors need to be given more opportunities and need to be given more rewards recognition than they have in the last 80 or 90 years, Hollywood. So in that spirit, let us get to this wonderful interview with Nicole and do stick around for Christine. Let's take a quick break and get to it. This podcast is brought to you by Backstage, the world's number one casting platform. Listen, a lot of the guests on In the Envelope, an awards podcast, used Backstage at the beginning of their careers. It's how they are now in the running for Emmy, for Oscar, for Tony, etc. If you are at the beginning of your career as an artist, here's what you do. You go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope at checkout for a free 30-day trial. That's right, free 30-day trial if you go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code envelope. All you got to do then is make a profile, upload a headshot, and start applying to jobs to the thousands of casting notices that are uploaded every day, which you can filter online to match your specific talents, your specific needs, your specific looks. Get that dream started today. Check out that free 30-day trial, backstage.com slash subscribe, enter the code envelope. Let's do it. Nicole Bahari has given her all to the acting craft and followed her instincts in navigating an impressive career. The Juilliard graduate broke into Hollywood with the film American Violet, going on to lead the network drama Sleepy Hollow and appear in Shame, 42, Black Mirror, and last year, Channing Godfrey Peoples' indie film Miss Juneteenth, which earned her a Gotham Award and Spirit Award nomination for leading actress. Here is the dazzling Nicole Bahari. So you're on location. What are you, what are you doing? None of your business. Am I lost? <laughs> no, I can't tell you. Is that right? Um, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm in Georgia and, uh, I like it here today. We, it's been rainy. Um, but today we got our first like really nice, sunny kind of almost in the sixties day. So that's, um, I'm happy today. Yeah. You're based in New York. I am, but I, but you have family in Georgia. I, I do have South. people in Georgia and all over the South. And then I've spent some time in New York and in Los Angeles during this, the last year. Um, but okay. it's, it's nice to be back in Georgia because I spent quite a bit of time here. Last yeah. Year. Um, congratulations on all your success. I am so excited to talk to you about Miss Juneteenth, which I love so much Thank and you. congratulations on your Gotham award and all of your oh, man. accolades for that. Thank you. So we are Backstage's podcast. We, um, as Backstage's podcast, we are, of course, obsessed with all things acting advice, craft, and oh, career. Yes, yes, okay. Are you ever, right. were you ever familiar with Backstage? Like, did you ever use Backstage for casting notices? Not for casting notices, but I did, um, I did read Backstage for just like mm -hmm. 
specifically for the theater for like what was going on uh sure. with, like, like you know plays Julia? yeah cool. afterwards afterwards oh, okay. um yeah i was living right. in new york working at like a boutique and all of <laughs> just doing all the things we're supposed to do it um yeah but no not for casting notices mm-hmm. yeah not for casting notices but i did use it sort of for like to know what's coming up and then to ask my yeah. agents you know, sort of like that, oh, like ask my yeah. agents if they could look into it. Um, yeah. We've heard that yeah. before. It's actually, yeah, it's just a good way to like keep track of what's going on so that you can hold your agent's feet to the fire. <laughs> exactly. To be like, Hey, I saw that this is happening. What's going on? You know, I, 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 yeah, exactly. I never, um, I never like went into any of the big, the like bigger calls that sort of happen. I, I just, I don't, I think mm-hmm. my like temperament is no good for that, but it's an amazing amazing uh, resource and then even when i got out of school we still had it online as well so uh-huh. that was were available you, um, and the articles the articles are, have just always been fantastic that's you know great. yeah that's always so good to hear um and of course i want to i would love to ask you about juilliard i mean going back further though what was the original dream like what were you bit by the acting bug at a young age i don't know that that i don't, I don't know that that's true um I think when I look back at it, you know, my family and everyone is like, duh, but I I Uh, thought I was going to, I know it's like, (laughs) I look, I have, I have family, um, in England and they have videotapes of like me putting on plays with like enforcing my cousins, like you stand there, I'm going (laughs) to sing the solo. We gonna do this here. Hold up the flower. I'm like, you know, really doing this whole thing or like doing like, remember back in the day, there were, uh, really saucy talk shows. Remember uh-huh. like Jerry Springer and all that sure. stuff. So we were like reenacting. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a real so dramatic awful. material. Really bad, like really bad. <laughs> um, and I, I think we understood more, but we like PG ified it for, for, for my parents and stuff. So it'd be like, Oh, I think she's your brother. When we knew it was like, he's the father, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of thing. But, um, yeah. So when, when I look back at it, I'm like, I guess, Mm. I guess maybe, maybe, but I, I didn't think of it as a practical, I mean, it's not a job that you do. Right. Like no one in everyone in my family there, uh, in medicine doc, you know, nurses now doctors, but at the time, just like nurses and teachers and, you know, just working class people, um, you know, my mom's, uh, my mom was the first to like go to college, you know, like, like that whole thing. So it was just exciting to be able to go to a, go to a great school. And then in high school, I ended up going to a performing arts school. Um, and that's kind of where I was like, but honestly just went there because it was a better school than the other schools that were Mm. options. You know what I mean? It was like, this is a nice school. So why don't we try to get in here? What are we going to do? We're going to sing, we're going to dance. Maybe we'll do a monologue if I did a monologue. And then it sort of worked out. And so I I think I have, um, you know, angels or something working to keep Mm. me on course when I'm like, I'm going to be a journalist or maybe I'll work in international relations. And they're like, no, no, Uh, you're going to (laughs) act. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it was around high school that you realized that this could be a professional career. And then, yeah, but even then, I mean, even then it was like, okay, some people do this, but Uh it's still just for fun. It just, it's for fun. And also, like, who am I? Like, no one's going to want to watch me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, doing a, a, a play in school and then seeing also people come back. And I just thought maybe it'll be something I'll do 
like I'll do like some theater in my neighborhood or like start like a, you know, like do some sort of creative, you know, and I was also really interested in writing like poetry and all this stuff. So, yeah, but I think at my final year in high school, one of my teachers was like, you know, you should think about auditioning for, you know, like Carnegie and NYU and all that stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Um, I'm also going to apply to like, you know, Temple and Carnegie for other things, you know, for other things. But, um, uh, one of my teachers really pushed me and, uh, was like, you should just go for it. Like you love doing this. Just who cares about being practical? You're, you're only this age once apply to everything if you can. So I got an extra job. We actually raised money and stuff too. So that I, cause the applications are like a hundred dollars a pop, right? Yeah, totally. That's expensive. You know, it's hard. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I did that. And then when I got into Juilliard and I got into some other schools too, but I was like, hmm. that's pretty, I was like, okay, we'll just try this and see what happens. And then, sure. And, and there I was like, Oh, people really do this. Okay. Like how exactly. do you make a living? How do you, yeah. So. Exactly. Because once you're surrounded by people taking it that seriously, you can't help but be like, I, I'd also, I, from what I've heard, it's the most intense thing ever. And you don't yeah, even have I, an opportunity to. I work. actually underestimated how seriously I was taking it too. Interesting. Before, like, I got there and I was like, I'm into, like, I was doing all the yeah. stuff. And, and I was like, I'm really into this. Huh. And, and all my teachers are like, right you're. Away. If you weren't yeah. interested. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With like with the hours and everything, but that place yes. really prepares you for the endurance that yeah. actually doing this uh, requires. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Totally. And so then the goal was, was it film and TV? I know you've done theater as well. Uh, the goal was just to be working, man, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, you know, um, sure. I didn't think I was going to, be working in film and TV just because I don't know, I th- maybe I had like some kind of body dysmorphia or like a complex or something. I was just like, I'm weird looking. I'm like quirky. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, and the standards for like what someone's supposed to look like in the nineties were like, it was like very specifically like, oh. you know, very Abercrombie, you know what I mean? It was like, a, it was like a mm. very particular look you saw on TV, especially in the nineties. Um, specifically with people of color, they like look a very particular way, women. Oh yeah. So I, um, I just didn't see it. So, Mm -hmm. but then I ended up getting a job and, uh, again, I, I'm, even as I'm having this conversation with you, I'm kind of realizing like, I, I didn't see it. I just kept following my, like doing what felt right to me, you know, just keep doing, I'm going to do what feels right. I'm going to also, you know, give it a hundred percent. Um, but I, I was honestly, um, auditioning for plays of the public and, mm-hmm. you know, at a bunch of different theaters in, in, in the city. And, uh, and I just happened to get in the film and it's just like, you mm-hmm. just kind of run with that. But at the same time, you know, I also did some, I, I have done some plays and a lot of workshops and re- readings and things like that, even in between sure. shooting movies. All of which helps develop you as an artist. Of course, the point is just to work. Wow. Yeah. Just to be working and meeting people and like trying new things because also sometimes the the cameras is so literal, like what you are in this Mm -hmm. little, you know, box It's like on stage, you can maybe do more of a transformation or play something way younger or way older. You can, you know, you get to use Mm -hmm. your voice and your body in a different way, which is um, exciting for me. I really love physical theater and all all those sorts of things. So sometimes Mm -hmm. when I'm even on set, people like, can you, can you like stay on your mark? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh. la, 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 la. Uh, too much. 
slow. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's actually really beautiful advice. This idea of like, you're, it's both going with the flow and, and following opportunities, but never giving it anything less than hundred percent. Like yeah. the opportunities come, you say, sure. But then you are all in on that job. Yeah, and that I, I don't think it's like, sure. I mean, I think people around me, again, I don't, I don't watch myself, but people around me are like, girl, you were busting your ass. You were working hard. You yeah. do, you memorize, you know, like, and I was like, yeah. Oh, but I just think that's just being present and a hundred percent, you know what I mean? Like being, yeah. doing what you're supposed to do. Um, and work ethic. Yeah. But not necessarily feeling like entitled or that anything is going to come my way necessarily. You just sure. <laughs> gotta, and I also <laughs> love it. I think, you know, that's kind of the big advice too. Like, do you enjoy it? Why are you doing this? Like Absolutely. if you, you know, if you enjoy it, then spending a few hours working on a monologue or, you know, whatever your, your, your material and all that kind of stuff isn't like a pain in the neck, especially starting out. Yeah. Especially starting out. Right. And it's, we, it's been talked about on this podcast a lot, this idea of like almost what you're saying is like a mix of idealistic optimism Mm. and realistic. Like, did you know early in your career, just how unlikely success as an actor is and like Absolutely. how, how yeah. much rejection you would, I'm assuming you faced your share of rejections. Yeah. I mean, I also kind of like study the thing about it is like, I didn't see myself, but I like studied other people's careers. Like when I was in conservatory, I, 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 I would go to the Lincoln center theater and they have like this amazing library of plays yes. and yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So we were just talking have, about that. Um, Aldous Hodge was just talking about watching old Broadway shows. In yeah, that, me in too. I've done okay. that too. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Aldous. That's awesome. Shout out to him. <laughs> um, yeah. I watched like from Lisa Gay Hamilton to, you know, Meryl Streep to mm-hmm. Viola Davis, Jeffrey Wright, um, John mm-hmm. Cheadle. I've watched so many of those shows and, you know, also people have their memoirs and you study people's careers and you're like, how come they didn't get this? And where they got that? Um, so I was kind of fascinated in that aside from even being an actor, just fascinated Mm. by like all the things. And I love going to see a good performance and love seeing a great movie. So, um, Mm -hmm. I think I knew, you know, you just hear people talking and they're like, look, man, it's 90% rejection, 10%. Yes. (laughs) Yep. And I always kind of knew that. And then I was also like, on top of that, I'm a woman and I'm black. So it's going to be, it's going to be a doozy out here, but you know, (laughs) Um, it's a part of it. And if you don't, if you're someone whose ego is like really, I don't know. Cause I, I know some actors who are successful have like very sensitive egos and it drives them more. So I'm not going to say that, but for me, I think, um, you have to just enjoy what you're doing. And then, you know, sometimes if you really want something, it still burns a little bit, but then you just kind of, you just got to keep it moving. Um, totally. Yeah, I, th- I think it takes a lot of like resilience and bravery, and yeah. also just having good um, a good support system at home. Have some hobbies and things like that. Yeah, yeah. that's important too. That's all great advice. Um, without like completely psychoanalyzing you too much. Oh, okay, cool. You mentioned <laughs> <laughs> like you mentioned the body dysmorphia, yeah. and of course, I do think that especially for screen roles, and of course, we can get into it with like the scarcity of roles for people who look like you and such. But mm-hmm. this idea of almost the, um, the imposter syndrome, like you said, do people want to see me? Like, I don't, 
I don't know whether I belong or deserve. Does that ever go away? Like it's been, Mm. people have talked before about the idea of constantly feeling like I'm going to be found out as being untalented. It just feels like that's part of Mm. the artistic lifestyle. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe, but I also think like Marilyn Monroe was like, she, she (laughs) I mean, there's all kinds of people. I think after, Mm. whenever you complete a job, you're like, we're freelance kind of, you know what I mean? So it's like you complete it and then it's like, well, what's next? Is it going to be right for me? Are they going to see me for it? Does it make sense? So all that's going going to happen. Is there going to be something that fits, you know, or something, not just what I did last time, something that's different, that's challenging, that's fun, like all of those things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a constant journey and there's always fluctuations and also you just change in life, right? You Mm -hmm. age, your thoughts change the way you want to work all like all different kinds of things are sort of happening through this process. And then the world's changing as we know, that's why we're doing this this way. Yeah, so, true. you know, it's like all of those things are the bowls and the balls that we're like juggling and trying to yeah. figure this thing out. Um, I think, yeah, I also think even outside of this business and, and, and the times that we live in with social media and all the photos and all mm. that stuff, um, it's just par for the course in life to be sort of hyper, um, aware of what, what you're yeah. presenting. I actually kind of feel like there's for me, I don't know why this make, doesn't make any sense. People are going to be like, that's your problem. But I think for <laughs> me, it's actually kind of freeing to, to be able to do it in front of a camera to like, you know, be a, uh-huh. like, for example, in Juneteenth, I played a character that, didn't wear a lick of makeup and didn't have time to like, you know, preen and primp and all that kind of stuff. And at first it was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know yeah, the but then after a while, it's like, it's freeing. And you're like, Oh, so that's out there is mm. what it is. That's me next. You know what I mean? Like you've that's shown beautiful. the things that people sort of, uh, hide in a way under the auspices of character and all that good stuff. So I love that. Yeah. Once you, once you are brave enough to really go there. It's easy to be there. It's, it's, it's like writing. Is it a muscle that you have to work this idea of being vulnerable enough to just give yourself over to the character and mm. not feel self-conscious, not have your, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And I don't know if self-consciousness, I mean, I think we, I think we get lucky when, when we have those moments where the self-consciousness really goes, you know, mm. it does, it's not always there. Sometimes it's, sometimes you're just you're using your craft or your skill and sometimes you're in the zone, you know? Um, but hopefully the, you know, the audience, just like if you watch a musical performance, hopefully you don't, you can't tell the difference. You know, your favorite musician will get up and be like, you'll be like, Oh, I'm so great. And you talk to them backstage and they're like, Oh my God. And they're like, uh, Oh, I was off tonight. Like, I don't know. It was great. I enjoyed it. So that's what you hope for that. Like, you know, it can be a combination of all the things and you have a strong enough foundation to, be able to do your work, even if you're not, if you are self-conscious or any of that other stuff comes up. And then also you can give it to the character, which is fun. Like you have any issues, you can just give it to the character. You mean like, um, use it. If you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling this, that, and the other, maybe your character's feeling that way. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Or try it. I mean, if your director's like, well, if if it's completely left field (laughs) then you know, maybe you got to do some work to feel more relaxed, but if, if you, if, if you can, you know, why not? Sure. So going off of that idea, the skill, the technique, I'd love to ask you about process. Um, are there things you do every time? 
I love this idea that like to the extent that you are trying to graph or, you know, carve your path through the biz, you want to play a role that is different from your last. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so I think, we, I think do, we would like that. Yeah. Yeah. So are there things you do every time you have played such different characters and worked with What do you so mean things characters? I do every time? You mean like in my process? Yeah. In terms of preparation. and No, the only thing I do every time is read the script. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's all I got. No, it really does change every, every time. time. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I know I, we have like a lot of different tools, but I actually find that I do better when I don't, when it's route, when I have very little time to prepare. Like if it's one of those, like, oh, they're doing this and mm. I don't know, someone dropped out or you got to drive, you got to go there in like a week or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you go to like your school, you know, your like book of tools, like, okay, minimum, these are the things I have mm. to do, but I actually think it's better when it's not that way. I, I, gotcha. I, I sort of enjoy the journey of, okay, so what does this require? How am I, you know, what's my proximity to the character naturally? And, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff plays into it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Does everything you just said also apply to auditions or auditions, a different category? Oh my God. Are... I just had a bad audition too. So this is good. This is good. You for would the actually people. love to hear about it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it was just, it had been a while and I've never, um, I I've done self tapes for the last few years for things okay. or, yeah. you know, um, but this was my first zoom audition ever. Yeah. That's so hard. Oh, it's so weird. And, and then I don't have my computer. So I was doing it on the phone. It's this tiny thing. I'm acting yeah. with the character. It was very strange. And then they were like, I, I was talking before, it's like, you got to stay in the frame. So like, this is it, you know, you, you gotta, they, they can't mm. see. And then you also like, how close am I? It's not the same as when you do a self tape. So it was, it was a little, um, it was interesting. <laughs> to say the least. And it didn't, <laughs> did it, it go was well? interesting, dude. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I got good feedback, but I, I don't, I don't think, I think, you know, um, I'm glad that that was the first one, you know, uh, you know, okay. yeah. So I'm like, okay, now, now I've done this. Um, just, you know, we have to sort of adapt as things change. I still prefer and don't see why self-taping isn't, uh, it's just more grounding than, you know, you can hop on a zoom, everyone's there, but we're all in a portal and you're kind of acting on the same. It's just a, a little bit strange, but you were asking about four auditions. Um, if the process is different, I don't know. I don't know. Cause that uh, thing of like, I read the script every time. Sometimes you don't get the whole script. Of course. That's true. That's true. I do ask, I do like to ask for information. Um, mm-hmm. In information before, before if possible. Uh, and sometimes people don't have it, you know? Yeah. Um, but especially if there's no script, I like mm-hmm. to ask for information from, you know, ask my agent of casting knows anything, has any notes or right. what they want to see in each scene, like kind of what the energy is. Um, yeah. I don't know. Auditioning is such a strange thing. And I, I find that I have seasons, like I have moments where I'm like really into it. It's not even about the actual material. Sometimes it's just like, I'm in the auditioning mood, like, woohoo! and other times oh, okay. I'm just like, hmm, I don't want to go door to door. I'm not feeling, <laughs> you feel like a salesman. You know? <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Like, like here are my goods. You open up your kit of knives, selling your knives door to door. Yeah. You know what I mean? um, yeah. 
that. I've never heard auditioning put that way, but it totally is. You have to be a, you have to be a salesman. You have to be like a marketing person. Yeah. I mean, not, not like in a cheesy, weird way though. Right. But, but you yeah. are ultimately coming into a space and being like, this is what I have to offer. Exactly. Anybody or, buying? Anybody yeah, buying? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, but yeah. And I, I think too, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, and this is actually what I enjoy about this job is like, sometimes I wonder, um, how much of it is you just do your own thing and how much of it is like trying to anticipate what they want, you know? So, right. so that's interesting. Yeah. It's just, it's, just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's different than how it was when I first came out where you like went to a room, you walked in, you're like, Hey, this is me. That's you. Yeah. And you do your thing. It's very different. That yeah. is so different. Yeah. Do you have um, tips? Do you have self tape practical advice? Yeah, I mean, I guess just uh, breathe, like actually breathe. Oh, that's like maybe great. even stop yourself and like just mm-hmm. take a breath, an audible breath during your actual audition. It's sure. actually very interesting. I watched, uh, I, I was one thing I noticed is Meryl Streep breathes a lot. She's working. She's like, <sighs> I was like, so funny. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. do that to like take up that much space. So breathing is cool. And, uh, don't be afraid of your, your, your like own face. Like you have to sort of enjoy your own face and watch it and critique it before you send yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Do you do that also with trusted friends or collaborators who can tell you almost like they're a director telling you this no. works and this doesn't? Mm-mm. No, it's just you. No, I have someone maybe read with me or something, but no, I'm not gonna. Cause I also think people getting in your head, sometimes people see you a particular way. You might have extra, yeah, there might be extra shit in there. They don't know about, I don't know if you can curse on this thing. There might be extra things in there that people don't know about. And they're like, oh, that feels, I don't, that was kind of weird. It's like, well, maybe that was your intention, you know, or, um, but yeah, like check out your frame and everything in your writing and make sure they can see your eyes, you know? These are great tips. That your eyes and breathe, and and yeah, just stay in frame. It is such a new, weird format that every actor has to figure out these days. So, I mean, I feel like everyone has mastered the self tapes, so. though. I think the Zoom thing is like, oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> as, as you're rolling your eyes right now, like, yes, I'm sick of this. <laughs> yeah, here we are. I'm dying to do this in person again. I know. Um, <sighs> This, so this idea of asking for information about a role, can mm-hmm. I ask you about backstory and this idea sure. of like creating a character? Sometimes a character has an extensive backstory and it's right there in the script. Mm. And sometimes is it safe to say it's up to you and you are yeah. either creating it yourself in your own head or you're creating it with the writer director and it never ends up. It always ends up subtext and never text. Yeah. That's so well said, like beautiful. I don't even know what to add to that. Cause that's exactly that. Uh, that's it's it. And that's why when you asked about process, it's like, it's different. Cause you can read something yes. where it's like every inch of that person's life is in the script or in right. some, in some information or the writer and director really care about, okay, she came from here. They've mm-hmm. been together for this many years. And then sometimes you get a part where they're, where, where, where you're like, so how long are they married? And everyone's like, we don't know. Scene. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Just, I have to do that myself. Right. You know, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I enjoy both of them. And, and, uh-huh. and, and also I think there are, there are some actors I know they might be lying. I don't know. There are people who don't necessarily always do all that stuff. Like I've worked with some people and I'm like, so how, what do you think about this? And they're like, 
Hmm. And I'm like, okay. So that doesn't, that doesn't, so everyone's mind and body works differently. Some people don't need that to be able to step into the, into the character or the fiction, you know, to, to create a different reality, which is kind of funky. But I, I actually am somebody who likes to build all that stuff and kind of know as much as I can. Sure. Sure. Well, and it sounds like there, um, Miss Juneteenth is sort of the perfect, um, opportunity to talk about that. Cause is it safe to Mm. say that more aired on the side of like lot, there was lots of backstory available because it was so specific. I mean, this is culturally regionally specific stuff. Mm -hmm. So you must've had lots, um, to learn and incorporate into the character as well as possibly some stuff you had to make up in the backstory. Yeah, I mean the 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 environment and the um the actual pageant and all that kind of stuff were an amazing world to step into. So I didn't have to create that. But as far as like mm-hmm. her life and you know like the intricacies of relationship and marriage and her mother and like even mm. some people who watch the story are like what was happening with there? So even when, you know, when I read it, there, there were a lot of, a lot of, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to say holes, but a lot of places where I had artistic license to sort of do totally. what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, which is actually nice. Cause it's kind of a blend. Like you said, it's a little bit of a blend. Um, but yeah, it was so specific. Our director and writer, um, Channing Godfrey people's woman mm-hmm. from Texas. Um, you know, this is her love story and, she, and to mm-hmm. her city and, mm. you know, she wrote it about this pageant that, that she had attended called the Miss Juneteenth pageant since she was a kid and had like uh, been greatly inspired by the women and just by the history and, um, you know, wanted to depict the people that she grew up with and that had been supporting mm. her. And they were tremendously supportive when we were there. Um, I like, oh. I, I've, I've moved around all my life. I've never really expe- experienced you know, born in kind of like you, like born and raised homegrown in one place yeah. kind of thing where it's like, everyone knows who you are and they're excited yes. and they were excited about her movie, like her first feature, you know? So people were there bringing food and be playing parts and all kind of stuff. So that was really amazing. And of course, like, like, uh, like you said, that fills in information about, Oh, I don't have to like, I'm not on a lot somewhere in LA creating no, right. this like energy around me that was just there. Mm. But you know, who she was. Um, I was lucky to be able to sort of build that also Mm -hmm. from observation and people that I was seeing, but also, you know, people that I knew and things that had nothing to do with the script in Texas. Sure. And what, how much of it has to go back to what you mentioned earlier about the idea of like theater or physicality. Do you think about outside in? Do you think about, um, you also mentioned this character doesn't wear any makeup, so that Mm. also informs the character, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, outside in. Because it's also uh, what you're saying. Also, is of course you immersed yourself in this culture and you were surrounded by it. So in some ways, you didn't have to um, work so hard to convey that culture. But were there things that, like, maybe you were bringing a New York City energy or like a, a Florida energy mm, that wasn't that didn't mm. match this Texan culture? Interesting. I mean, I, I think that, I think that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think that happens in the preparation. And I did go down about, I want to say it maybe it was like two weeks before. And mm-hmm. I already had tapes. I had requested, like I said, information. I had I requested tapes for the dialect, you know, to listen to when dialect. I was in, cause I was, I was in New York. 
Mm-hmm. So I asked for, you know, someone who's kind of what they're looking for. And Texas has a lot of different variations on their um, oh, yeah. dialects and on their, well, some people call them accents, right? So mm-hmm. uh, wanted to be specific about that particular area part of Texas and then yeah. also the social economic, like there's a whole bunch of different factors in how people speak, right? So did, did that. And, and then when I got down there, um, it was just watching and being like, Hey, can I go work at the bar? Can I, you know, um, and I, you know, I, I had already done basically my homework. I just wanted to observe. And the goal was to like, you know, uh, not blend in on and disappear. Cause like, I gotta <laughs> lead this movie. Right. <laughs> but yeah, totally. to not stand out, you know, um, to not stand out and, and to sort of fit into the environment. So yeah, it's funny. Cause one of my girlfriends was like, I watched, I guess, 42, which was a, a movie I did mm-hmm. about Jackie Robinson with, the Chad, with Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on TV, I guess, this past weekend. And she was like, I just saw you in 42. She was like, that is a completely different person. And look, <laughs> she was like, sure. it's so different, Nikki. She, and I was like, it's so funny because I don't go into it. I think when you're in, you're just in it. You're like, this is what I'm exploring. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't think anyone was like, you're, you feel like a New Yorker. It's like, no, I'm in Texas now. Yeah. See how they do. And then I was lucky. I was really lucky to be working with my two co-leads, Kendrick Sampson, who played Ronnie, who's amazing. Um, mm. And Alexis Chikese, who plays Kai, my daughter. Yeah. Um, they're actually from Texas. He's, okay. he's from Houston and she's from, I think... Fort Worth, but maybe not right there, like a little, a little bit further out, maybe like an hour away. Cause she was doing an hour to drive in and out, but they sort of, you know, they provided some of that too. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Did you do, do you ever discuss the backstory stuff with co-stars? Mm-hmm. I like to relationship yeah. because that of course really comes through with the mother and daughter dynamic in particular. Yeah, there are stairs in this movie that convey hundreds of pages of dialogue. Oh, that's so that's so kind of you. Um, Honestly, Alexis and I, what's funny is that Alexis and I didn't get the opportunity because she came in very last minute um, Mm. to do a lot of that work. But it was a matter of just trust. And I, you know, I uh, sometimes would teach like little classes and do. you know, community service work, doing like kids, um, theater and stuff. So I'd sort of Mm. enjoy working with young actors or people expressing themselves. And it was her first movie and I just wanted her to win, you know? So part of that is very similar to what Turquoise wants for her, her daughter. Yeah. So I think some of that just kind of bled over into like, you know, I want you to do well and let's just really be present because we didn't have a lot of time. And so that's the other thing, I guess that's the other thing about auditions. I would say is like, if you don't have a lot of time, the, the, like the best thing you can give anybody on the planet is your presence, mm-hmm. full presence, yeah. you know, that being in the moment rather than, um, if you don't have time or you, or like you said earlier, if you don't want to be the type of actor to create all the backstory, yeah, just, yeah. just be in the moment. Yeah. And some of those people are so interesting. Like they're like, I'm, I'm thinking there are some actors I've been like, Hey, you and they're like, I don't know. Let's <laughs> see how it goes. And you're like, and then they're really totally. good. And you're like, and then oh like, man, it's magic. Yeah. That's that thing. But then reacting. I'm also, but, but then sometimes you talk to them more and they're like, well, they got married seven years ago. And you're like, I know you did some homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over here trying it's to so act. ingrained in them. They just know. 
Yeah. Deep down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so what did you learn about, about, I love asking, like, what did you learn about for your, about yourself and about yourself as an actor from this project? Because I mean, especially for this, it's such a character mm. study. And you mentioned this idea of um, creating characters in depending on how much they have in relation to you. Mm. Like how oh, similar Lord. are you to turquoise or, or different? I don't feel like I'm similar, um, but I've seen women. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, I feel like turquoise is a, is a, um, is a collage of people, mm-hmm. uh, sort of, of, I feel like Channing and I collaborated on a collage person like she gave me some people she thought and i used some little bits and pieces from you know like mannerisms um yeah but what did i learn about myself as an actor i learned that i could persevere i actually sprained my ankle like the first like the end of the first week because there was we were shooting in this really rusty little house and one of the floorboards like went out um on me and on a few of us actually but i ended up spraining my ankle which is why i have on those cowboy boots it's actually not a um no way not a fashion choice it's to it's to hide the the wrapping <laughs> that i had on my ankle um wow and and then you can make something like that sort of work in your favor so it changed my walk a little bit and mm. changed my pace a little bit um wow. yeah that is yeah. just the life of the actor. Like you have to roll with it, but also use it creatively, like incorporate mm-hmm. it into the character. Mm-hmm. Like she, she walked a little bit more on one side and had like a little, it's like a mm, mm, mm energy. It wasn't like a switch, but and it was really a way for me to seem upright and not like, cause the minute it was like action, you know, cut, I was like, give me my, give me my cane or whatever. Ouch. So, yeah. So, uh, but when I see it, I'm like, Oh, that actually works. And it's, it's kind of, you, you worked into the character. So mm. yeah, I love this idea of like, it's, I guess it's the magic of film, but when you see yourself, I love the idea that you're, um, you're like, that is not me at all. That is a, that is a real transformation. And it's not like you were trying to do that outside in. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, you can see yourself sometimes you were, but like, it's weird. Cause sometimes you remember the day, like even if it's year ago, years ago, you're like, oh, I remember that day when it was raining. Like I, 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 I had to do, I think for Valentine's day, somebody sent me shame and, and they oh, were yeah. like, I love this, oh. little, this moment. And I was like, Oh, I remember it was raining. It was so cold outside that like me, I see it. And I'm like, it's freezing out, the, out that day and those shoes. And so, you know, it's like when you see a photograph of yourself, right. You were, yeah. you kind of remember the times. Um, so, but that's also, it's also such a privilege to like, I, Oh, look, I'm getting a little bit like I'm feeling it. Um, it's, it's, it's such a privilege to be able to look back hmm. on like a decade almost and some change of like stuff and see myself when I was in my twenties and everything and be like, Oh wow, that's what you look like. Oh, look at you over there. Just trying to act. <laughs> trying to act. <laughs> I was going to say that's you beautiful. Know, I mean, do you watch old performances and go, oh, I can learn I from don't this. actually. I don't. You it's don't. like other yeah. people will like say something. I'm not back at home like, you know what? Hmm, I think I'm going to watch. <laughs> I'm going to watch Shame. <laughs> I'm going to watch my old work. Yeah, I think. I, yeah. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> that's not happening. But like, you know, somebody will say something or um and, or like, I'll see a meme or a clip or something, or, sure. you know, e- even for these interviews and stuff, people will send things and be like, can you, you know, we're mm. going to talk about this. And I'm like, Oh my God, 
it's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that this is all really, thank you so much, Nicole, because this is all really capturing the essence of what it means to, to be an actor. And like, some of it is indescribable. Like some of it yeah. is, is intangible. I feel like absolutely and other things are more um, concrete that you can point to. This is my technique. This is my character, et cetera. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, you, we, like we talked about rejection. There are, there um, are really rough times. Like for anything that's great, there are some low lows, but there are some high highs, you know? And yeah. I think one of the big things is like finding what balances you and grounds you when there are lean periods, lean as in maybe not as much work, how are yes. you being creative and all that kind of stuff. But then also while you're working, like sometimes working can be hard, you know, or you're, you, you might get something and they're like, well, we went it this way. You're in service to the, to the, um, to the project, to the creators of the project. Right. So you had to do it that way. Even if you don't mm-hmm. feel it that way and everything, you got to figure that those things out. And then, it, and, and, and then it lives forever. You know, so you gotta like be cool with that and have a good sense of humor. Those are all those like intangible things like you're talking about. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And it's just inevitable that you're going to have dry spells. You're going to have those lean periods. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes um, by choice even. (laughs) Oh, sure. You know, sometimes just like, I need a break. So, because we've been asking people recently, in the last year or so, I would say just about the state of the industry. And without getting into too many details, I know you've talked before about, I'm thinking of the fact that you were one of the only black female leads in network television at one point Mm. and had some inequities in the way you were treated in that job. Mm. And I'm wondering if you could comment on, we're, we're at such a period of flux. It's such a period of flux for the industry. Right. And I'm, I'm hoping in a good way. I'm hoping we can be optimistic about it. I don't know. But where do you see us going? Like, what do you see has changed since maybe since your time at Sleepy Hollow? And um, mm. I'm so optimistic, man. There have been so good. many changes. I mean, when I was on that show, it was before the Me Too movement. It was before yeah. the- of reckoning it was before oscar so white all those things you know what i yeah. mean so it's like all these conversations have happened since then where people are just becoming more aware of like oh yeah maybe that is problematic if there are no people behind the camera or you know if if, if, if we don't have the right shade of makeup or all like all those mm-hmm. kind of little things that back then if you made a comment about those things you were sort of um totally. just being an asshole and actually they, it, like it makes sense you know and now it's just part, it's common knowledge. Um, I've done a few jobs in the last few years where we start, you know, before you start the project, you have the sexual harassment and include inclusion meetings, diversity meetings, you have conversations yeah. about what's okay and not okay. I think it makes a big difference in the workplace. It does. Yeah. And then also seeing more people. So I feel like, you know, and again, this was, it was, it was, it was a while ago, you know, it was quite a, well, not like a decade ago, but it was, it was a while ago, enough time where so much has happened so rapidly, even down to just this past year, exactly. how much has happened. So I'm very optimistic. Um, and you know, sometimes you got, you, you end up with a few scratches and bruises, <laughs> you know, but when you're on an adventure <laughs> in your life and you're ready for it, then that is what it is. You know, I, I, I wouldn't, um, 
I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I wouldn't change it. Um, mm. I, I like, I like who I am. I like, you know, what I've learned in this period and sort of the, all the grounding that's happened for me. Um, it's colorful, you know, life is colorful, but yeah, I'm, I actually am optimistic. And I'm also seeing a lot of, because of streaming again, the world's done some crazy things where we're inside mm -hmm. And once upon a time, it was like all oh, these big movies and so certain people couldn't get cast. And now with mm -hmm. streaming, it's like it's really um, made it more of a democratic thing, you know, or even social media. Like people who weren't weren't the gatekeepers, you know, choices create their own material and then they become super popular. And it's like okay. you cannot deny how wonderful this work is. And yep. They end up with their own shows or starting their own pro, you know, all these different things. And I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Um, there's just so much, there's so much um, to be done, but there's so much movement from then to now. Um, true. Yeah. And that I'm excited incredible. that I was, a, you know, that I was a part of it and I got to see some things that hopefully other people don't, don't have to see. Exactly. Yeah. No, you absolutely were. I think of um, partly just because I'm obsessed with Viola Davis. I think of the uh, fact that when she won, when she yeah. became the first black woman to win the Drama Actress Emmy, yeah. she shouted out you. You were among the people that she. She that shouted she out a lot out. of people, and like, who does that during like like when they win? Like, oof, what a oh, what gorgeous. what what like power? You know what I mean? Yeah, to, to, totally. to take your moment and to shout out other people. Wow. So, what is the advice? What is the advice for early career actors, especially these days? regarding weird things happening on set or just period? Oh, um, I meant in general, oh, but okay. also, yes. I mean, in terms of navigating difficult situations that hopefully are less and less inevitable for yeah. actors to have to face. I mean, what's cool but, is now they have like people on set that you talk to for that. Yeah. That you can go to like anonymously and all that kind of stuff, which is like, what? It's yeah. Um, the advice, what's the advice I have in general? You better really like doing this. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome though. Like in working with so many different people, I don't know, what, what is the advice? Actually read, read books okay. and plays and articles and get ideas from other people's lives. Yeah, Did I love the memoir. Some people have been very successful just being very close to themselves, you know? But that's, for me, I think, you know, you might see something and have, like, be confused about something in a script or feel like it's difficult to get into that character. And then something you read in The Atlantic or something you read or you watched on Nickelodeon with your nephew, you're like, oh, it's that. It's the purple character. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just having a breadth of, like, information um, yeah. sources other than... I've been asked a lot, like, what movies inspired your performance? And I was like, movies was people and like sure. life and yeah. history. And you don't, I mean, sometimes people are like, the character is like this character from that or something like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, but just it's more often that it's like a hundred characters. Um, yeah, yeah. I think like a so. hundred different or not just character, a hundred different data points is what you're saying. Like, yeah, just, just like, you yeah. know, or, or, or just, or just, it might just be one data point, but you have to take in enough source, you know, enough stuff to inspire yeah. you to have like a, I, I guess what I'm saying is have, people say this all the time, but like have a full well 
Mm-hmm. Like, don't just read scripts and just, you know, only watch the movies that you like made by the same people. Like, watch some art house movies in the Criterion Collection. And then also watch, like, a really ridiculous comedy and by, like, a really mm-hmm. popular comedy director or, your, you know, or watch a movie from um, Portugal randomly and just see what you yeah. like about that. And, and like what the choices some of the actors make in the frame. What, how is that different? How is p- pace and tone different? Mm. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. That's great advice. I think especially these days when we we tend to kind of get siloed in our specific tastes and not oh want to go beyond The algorithm, that. baby. The algorithm. No, we got to kind of fight the algorithm. Oh, oh my God. I've been traveling and I one of the thing I, things I love about traveling and staying in different homes on, on mm. location is like, when you sign into someone's Netflix or their Amazon or like, like on their, on their smart computer, you get, you're getting a completely different algorithm. So culturally like movies that would never pop up on my algorithm. I'm like, look at this. I've never seen this in my life. What is this? So much stuff that I don't have an option. And then you have to go and search. So I would add more things to my algorithm now, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it is interesting. We can live in our own little bubbles. So, you know, breaking out of that, I think probably makes you a better artist. But then again, the industry will, you know, again, you might end up still, you know, I'm what, five, three, black and a woman. So I'm going to get a lot of moms and a lot of things. It's just oh. what it is. But at least you have other stuff. And why not? It, it, it probably um, enriches life anyway. Sure. sure. Enriches life. That's beautiful. Um, Nicole, I have to let you go soon, but can I ask you some silly backstagey questions? We yeah, ask everybody? yeah, let's do that for sure. I'm like, this is all so deep. Golly. I know it's getting heavy. Um, we, we, always ask, we always ask for worst audition horror story. And oh. you just mentioned the recent zoom one, but do you yeah. have like a worst, worst audition yeah. horror story? Oh my goodness. Worst audition horror story. Ah, what happened? Oh, let me think. Oh, oh. Oh yeah. So I had an audition. I didn't understand the tone of it at all. Like you you read something and and you're like, Oh, it's like, it's very lifted. And then I realized like it was actually very grounded and supernaturalistic, but I thought it was like lifted. So I did a read and it just, everyone was kind of like, thank you. Nice to see you. And then it clicked when I got in the car, I was like, Oh. Oh no. So I went back in and was like, hey, I feel like we need to. And they were just kind of like, they look and I was like, suddenly there were tons of people in the waiting room. I was like, shit, man, I'm not going to get to. Golly. And it was burning up in me. But it was so bad because I could have done the thing, right? Like I could have done it. I just didn't understand it. I just didn't understand it. I I didn't understand what they were going for. Um, yeah. And it literally clicked as I was leaving. And then I, I actually went back, which is, so that's the horror story is like going back and then being like, no chick, you had your turn, go home. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, I gotta live with this forever. <laughs> but it's not yeah. necessarily the advice to go back in. No, probably no. not. But you know what? I've heard but stories maybe. about people going back in and getting the job yeah. and like, it's some huge, amazing project. So Again, everyone in every situation is different, you know? That's true. Yeah. And that story could be different. I could have been like, and I went back in and they were like, okay, we have two minutes. And I killed it and I got it. And I Just, it. it didn't happen that way. Right. 
Yeah. I hate that um, the car epiphany, because that is very much a thing. The hindsight is 2020, where you're suddenly like, that's what I was supposed to do. It's like when you send an email or like you send some sort of text, right? Uh, You've proofread it a gazillion times and then send it. You're like, what is that? What is that? (laughs) Spelled that wrong? There's no comma there. What happened? Yeah. Very relatable. Um, Do you have... What is one perform? We always ask, what is one performance that you think every actor should see and why? Um, I don't yeah, know. There's so many great performances. Like, I love so many people's work. I literally am going through like brrr, so many. I mean, so many people. There's, oh gosh, of course, there's the Merrills, there's the Violas, there's the Jeffrey yeah. Wrights, there's, you know. Um, uh, Killian Murphy and I, I love um, yes. that Peaky Blinders I'm obsessed with Every, almost everyone in that um, yeah, yeah I don't know I, I can't do this I can't it's too painful <laughs> I know yeah. um, well gosh thank you so much for all of this <laughs> thank you so this so lovely much. And now it's time to hear from Christine McKenna-Torella, our backstage casting insider. I will let her take it away. Hi guys, Christine McKenna-Torella here. If you're listening to this episode in real time, as they say, it is the first week of March, which is the beginning of Women's History Month. And I really love that we're kicking it off with a wonderful actor like Nicole. Something I love about working with Backstage is that the company wants to uplift and empower diverse voices. And as a queer woman in this space, I personally and professionally want to keep pushing that conversation forward. So let's play a quick game. What do these movies have in common? Clueless, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Pariah, Promising Young Woman, Winter's Bone, Monsoon Wedding, Selma, Nomadland, And my favorite documentary of all time, Paris is Burning. What do they have in common? Well, first of all, I kind of give it away. Some of these are my favorite films. These movies continually make the best films lists, and they are all directed by women. Did you know that Catherine Bigelow is the only woman to ever win an Academy Award for Best Director? And only five women have ever been nominated in the history of the ceremony? What is that about? Women account for 51% of moviegoers, so you'd think that the power would be reflected in the storytellers that make the movies themselves. And although things are getting better, progress is slow, and quite frankly, representation is dismal. Women made up just 21% of all directors, writers, producers, executive producers, editors, and cinematographers working on the top 100 grossing films of 2020. And of the top 250 grossing U.S. films, the breakdown for women in each job of these films is as follows. Producers, 30%. Editors, 22%. Executive producers, 21%. Directors, 18%. Writers, 17%. Cinematographers, 6%. And composers, 5%. So that means 80% of Hollywood's 250 top grossing films had female directors, 73% had no female writers, and 41% had no female executive producers. Two-thirds of the top-grossing films employed fewer than five women in major behind-the-scene roles. So what is going on here, right? 
So according to studies, the reason for this discrepancy is bias. While women tend to hire other women for their productions, men do not tend to hire women for their team. And the statistics support that view. So the statistics show that when there is one female director on the film, women made up for 53% of writers in that space. And by contrast, on films with male directors, women made up only 8% of writers. Similar discrepancies exist for editors and composers. It's not like female filmmakers aren't bankable. Look at the list that I give you above. Look at Patty Jenkins and the Wonder Woman series. I could go on. I could exhaust you. (laughs) And if you aren't a female filmmaker or a female identifying filmmaker, I want to ask you to examine the types of stories you tell about women. The way you speak about the characters and have the characters speak and how you describe them and how you cast them because it matters. We've included an article in the notes about 15 female directors you need to know. And in making this podcast today, I used an article called Female Directors Employed in 2020 Hollywood on Backstage for my stats. By highlighting some of these women's work and by talking about this today, I hope it opens up a world of possibilities to young girls. On to the casting highlights of the week. I'm delighted to inform you that the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is casting again this week for a variety of different types of actors for more featured work in New York. Details on the site. The Godfather of Harlem, Epix's series, is casting season two. They have some roles up on the site at the moment. Again, that is a project filming in New York. Check it out. And finally, not to leave my friends out in the UK, there is a very cool-looking pilot called Armour that came on the site this morning from Decandalin Films, seeking a genderqueer or non-binary actor for the lead role in the piece, a triumphant story of freedom, queer self-acceptance, and a rallying cry for anyone who's ever felt alone or an outsider in society. I want to see that pilot when it gets made. Head over to Backstage.com for the details of the casting highlights I mentioned this week. But as always, there are hundreds more on the site for every region, for every type of actor and voiceover performer. That's all from me. Break a leg in your upcoming auditions and have a beautiful week. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Grouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.